Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. So did everybody have a good summer so far? Yeah, everyone got, did you get all the things done that you wanted to get done? No, right? There's never enough time to get all the things done that you want to get done. But I hope you made good memories. I hope you had a time of rest. Uh, I hope you went on some adventures, uh, did some things. I hope you got sunburned at some, t- at some point, because I feel like if you live in Florida during the summer, you should get sunburned at least, at least one time during the summer. And I know you're supposed to wear sunscreen and all that stuff. Yeah, we get it. Uh, but I hope you had a good, good adventure. Uh, my family and I, uh, we did uh, as well. We went on a couple trips. Uh, we did some adventuring here uh, in our town. I love where God allows us to do life. Amen? Um, one of the things I remember, though, as a kid during the summertime was all the great movies that get released. Right? How many of you guys uh, enjoy going to the movies? Anybody? A couple people do? I remember before I met Erica, I loved going to the movies so much that I would go to the movies by myself. And I can't do that anymore because I have a wife that says that's weird and you shouldn't go see a movie by yourself. So I don't see movies by myself anymore. But I loved summer movies. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. This summer, there wasn't anything that I really was like, I got to go see this. Uh, Like at some point, like we're looking, we're like, what can we go see? And Olivia said, the Barbie movie. I'm like, I love my family. I love them. I love my daughter. I don't know if I can go see the Barbie movie. I don't, I don't know if it's, I have no idea if it's a good movie, bad movie. If there's, it might be a terrible, I've got no idea. I don't know what people are saying about it, if we're boycotting it or what. I don't know. But I'm just, I just, as a man, I don't know if I can go see the Barbie movie. Uh, I remember that that when we, uh, and Eric and I were dating, and even when we first got married, like, we went to the movies a lot. I wanted to go. And now we're at a point where this past week on Friday, she's like, hey, do you want to go to a movie? The kids are with their grandparents. We can go have a date night, and we can go to a movie. And I'm like, I just, I just don't know. I, one of the things, I think the bad things that happened during COVID was I, like, lost my enjoyment of going to the movies Felt a lot better about sitting home on my couch in my comfy shorts watching movies and my Crocs, right? That seems like a whole lot more fun. You just can't roll. Well, some people probably do go to the movie theater in their comfy shorts and Crocs, and those people shouldn't. But uh, I, like, I like watching movies at home now. But one of the things I remember during the summer season with my family is going to these movies and experiencing these fantastic stories, I think that today, you know, based off of what I, I read about Jesus and how he told stories, I think if he were to come today and do what he did those, those years ago, uh, I think Jesus would have came as a movie maker. He would have, he would have told stories through movies because even the way that he was telling about his illustrations and the, the stories that he told to show lessons, he, he did it in a way that no one else did. I think it's, it's really cool, the stories that can be told. The thing that I loved about the movies, though, is anytime you go to a movie and it had a plot line that was completely changed, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, where, where like the writer flipped the script and at some point there was a twist at the end that you did not expect, right? 
If we were to sit here, we'd probably come up with tons and tons of movie titles where this happened. Uh, I wrote down a couple of them. One of them, I remember as a kid, I had not written or read, I had not read the book Old Yeller, but I watched the movie. You guys remember the, the movie Old Yeller? Nothing prepared me as a nine-year-old boy to understand the ending of Old Yeller. And when it came, I was just a puddle of tears. It's this beautiful summer day. This young boy is hanging out with his golden retriever. And then he does what? You completely changed, completely flipped the script of what you thought should happen. Uh, some of you guys, I'm not going to, probably, I don't think I'll ruin this movie because, or the ending of this movie because it was in the 80s, but how many of you guys ever saw Planet of the Apes? A couple of people. You remember the ending of that Planet of the Apes? Not the new Planet of the Apes. I'm talking about the old Planet of the Apes, right? Some of, some of you were like, no, I didn't see the old one. Uh, at the end of it, he, you know, at the beginning, he thinks he's on a different planet, one that all these apes are running around, and they are in control of the planet. And at the end of the movie, there's this crazy flip in the plot and where he finds out that he's actually on Earth but in the future because he sees this deteriorated Statue of Liberty. Huge plot twist. Modern days, uh, we see this in the, um, the Marvel movies, right? What were the last two? Infinity War, right? There was the one where uh, at some point Thor snaps his fingers, the story completely changes. None, none of us saw that coming. Uh, the last one and what, what happens to Iron Man, if you got kids in the room, I'm not going to ruin that movie. That was, a, that was a tough one, right? My favorite, the one that, that hit home the most was, how many of you guys have ever remember watching the movie Homeward Bound? You remember that? Oh, my gosh, that'll make you cry right now. You got Sassy the Cat. You got Chance the little, what was he, like American Bulldog? And what was the name of the Golden Retriever? Shadow. You remember at the end, like everybody's, we didn't know if Shadow was going to make it. And the boy's sitting there, Shadow? And here comes Shadow just lumbering across the, the hill. Everyone's in tears, right? You didn't expect for him to come. But I love movies where just completely, just the, the plot changes and the flip, the, the script gets completely flipped. And I think that sometimes in our own lives, this happens and we're not ready for it. Sometimes there's things that happen that completely change what we think the plan or the plot of our own life should be. The next couple steps that are supposed to happen don't happen the way they sh we think that they should, and it kind of messes us up. And so this morning, I want to look into a story uh, in the Bible in which uh, something similar like this happened to uh, a man that we talk about quite a bit, uh, and, and hopefully we can see how when it comes to this time of the the script in our own lives being flipped, that, that it's not always a bad thing. So let me pray for us, and we're going to jump, we're going to jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, this tool, this uh, word that you've given us, this, this Bible that uh, we read where we hear stories of how you worked in people's lives, uh, where we hear about how you sent your son and, and the miracles that he did. And I pray that as we read it and look into it, that we would find hope for the future, and the hope is in, in you. And so this morning, as I, as I read from your word, and as I, as, I, as I preach this message that I've prepared, God, I pray that you would allow me to communicate it better than what my talents would allow. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come down and would open our hearts and allow us to put away the things that uh, would, would make us have our defenses up. And I pray that we would allow you to speak to us and change us and adjust us and prepare us for the times in our lives that are coming up where you want to flip the script on us. And I thank you so much and completely believe that the best 
is still yet to come. Have your way above all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to be reading uh, from the book of Acts. Um, we're going to start out in chapter 8. The book of Acts is uh, the, it's, it's kind of the, the, the telling or the, uh, the, it shows us how the early church happened, how it started specifically after Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and went to heaven. And so this is, this is what Christianity looks like after Jesus had come and, and did his ministry and uh, did the miracles that he did. And this is what happened with the, the disciples and the apostles after that. And uh, what you, things that you need to know is specifically in those days, people that were followers of Christ, they weren't called Christians like we are, we are today. Those people were called uh, followers of the way. And the movement itself was called the way. And so sometimes you read in the Bible, especially in the book of Acts and the New Testament, it's referred to as this, uh, and it helps you understand that the, the, the term the way just means these are people that were teaching about what Jesus taught about. These were people that had stepped away from the Jewish faith and were completely following what Jesus told them to do. Specifically today, we're going to talk about a man by the name of Saul. Uh, the Bible refers to Saul as Saul of Tarsus. That means he was from Tarsus. Tarsus is what is modern-day Turkey today. And the things that you need to know about Saul is Saul had a path set before him that was very bright. He, 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 was, he had a path set before him that was going to be very successful. Uh, Paul was a Pharisee, and in, in, in our modern day, when we talk about church, Pharisee is kind of a negative term that we use. But in those days, that, that wasn't the case. A Pharisee was specifically just someone that defended the faith. This is someone that had, had gone and dedicated their lives to the understanding and the research of the Torah, which is the Old Testament, the, uh, or the first uh, few books in the Old Testament. Uh, this person would have understood the law, the biblical law, inside and out, and their job was to defend it from being diluted, defend it from being attacked. Saul was so bright that he, he was actually a second-generation uh, Pharisee. So his dad was a Pharisee before him. Uh, he was a Pharisee. When he became 14, uh, they say the theologians believe that he went and studied under uh, another Pharisee that was, that was very well-known and renowned. And he was on a path to becoming the, one of the greats when it comes to this specific characteristic or when it comes to the specific culture in religious law. Now, we're going to find out along the way that, unfortunately, the path that he was on was the wrong path. In the book of Acts, we hear that as a church begins, the disciples and apostles come together, and as they're preaching and teaching about what Jesus taught them, there needed to be people that actually went out and did ministry like feeding the homeless, feeding those that are in need, helping those that are sick, uh, providing for orphans and widows and stuff like that. And so one of these guys that is hand-chosen to pick to do this is a man by the, or by the name of Stephen. And Stephen goes on to do ministry, do what the church is supposed to do. At some point, he's brought in for questioning. He's put before the Sanhedrin, and he is accused of crimes to the point where they put him to death by stoning. And we pick up the story in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. It says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely 
with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the region of Judea, Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. It says, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Prison. Now, this, this, is a, this is a tough start to a sermon on a Sunday morning, right? We're finishing up summer break. We're getting ready into school, and already we're talking about someone who has, is persecuting Christians. There, there's, there's a point in this, though. But as we read this story, as we look at this, I want you to envision yourself in the moment. Like if this were happening right now. We live in America right now where, uh, thank God, we have the freedom to pursue uh, religious beliefs that we believe we want to pursue. Christianity is not something that is against the law. But these days, specifically, the people that were following Christ, the members of the way, they were being persecuted to the point of death. And we hear that Saul is approving of this. Saul is on a path of success, and what he sees is people that are coming along to create a fence and take what is his faith, take it off track. And the Bible says that he starts a pursuit unlike any other. In the book of uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, uh, it says this, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation and the arrest of any followers of the way. He wanted to bring them both, man and woman, back to Jerusalem in chains. So not only was he on a path, and did he have a purpose, did, did he figure that he, he knew the plot of his life and what he was supposed to do, but he was so very passionate about it that he was going to pursue it no matter what. I think sometimes in our own life, we get so wrapped up in what we think the plan is, we think what the plot is, what's supposed to happen, that we lose sight of what God wants to do in our lives. We get closed off and we think this is how it's supposed to happen. We get sucked into the illusion that we can control what's going on, the situation, when the truth of it is we have, we have no control. The story doesn't stop there. It goes on in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. It says, as he was approaching Damascus on his mission, after receiving these letters and as he starts the persecution of followers of Christ... It says, as he's on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asked. And the voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do next. I think whether we want it or not, there's sometimes in our lives where we get so stuck on the path of our life, of what we think it should be, that Jesus has got to show up in a big way to disrupt the direction we're going. 
and we're shocked by it. We don't know, we don't know what's happening or why it's happening. What did we, what did we do wrong? I think for some of us, it's, it's time to open up our eyes and our minds to think like, is, am I, is what I'm going through, is this punishment or is this just something where God's trying to get my attention? Specifically in this, Jesus is trying to open up his eyes so that he can see what his true purpose is, what the path is that should be set before him. In verse 7 it says, The men with Saul stood speechless, for they had heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was, he was blind. So his, champion, or his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. At some point, Jesus had to stop him in his tracks to prepare him for, to see what his true purpose and path and calling was. What we see next happen is, is pretty miraculous, though. It says in chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. So here's Ananias. He's a follower of the way. He's a devout Christian. Jesus comes to him and says, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go find this guy. I want you to go pray for him, lay hands on him. I'm going to have you heal him. And this is something that that Ananias, I'm, I'm assuming, had done before. He was a devout member of the way. He was a follower of Christ. He would have done anything that Jesus wanted him to do. In verse 13, it says this, though. It says, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias went, he found Saul, he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And said instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up, and was baptized after he ate some food and regained his strength. The first thing I think we need to know when it comes to living out the purpose and the plan, uh, uh, pursuing the plot that we believe is before us, is when opportunity comes up for us to do what God, what Jesus calls us to do, we need to do it. Take a step of faith. My favorite, one of my favorite video movies to watch is. Uh, the Indiana Jones series. Anybody, how many of you guys like Indiana Jones? I was like uh, nine years old when I saw the first Indiana Jones. And you better believe I like stole my mom's tennis shoe strings and like made a whip out of it. And I was trying to crack anything that I could. And it was, it was kind of funny because here I am like little fat Brian, nine-year-old and trying to like lasso a tree and sh- on shoes. It was, it was an interesting thing to see. But the part in the movie where he's got to take the, faith, the step of faith, 
when he's trying to, to get to the, uh, I, I, can't, I can't remember what, remember which episode it is, but he's, he's got to step out on faith. He's gotta, he doesn't know where he's going to land. He's just got to step out. I know that there's times in our own lives, there's, own, there's times in your life this week in which God's going to give you the opportunity to step out on faith. But you're the only one that can take the action. I'm, I'm glad that Ananias trusted Jesus enough to take a step of faith and to go pursue Saul. Many of us, we're afraid to take that step of faith because we're thinking, well, I'm going to look stupid. If I go to that lady and say, ma'am, I think I'm supposed to buy your groceries, she's going to look at me like I got two heads, right? Or when I go up to my neighbor and ask, can I pray for you, they're going to mace me. We're afraid, we're afraid of what people are going to think about us. Here, Ananias, he's not afraid of what, what Saul is going to think about him. He's afraid that Saul is going to kill him. But he has a faith enough to trust Jesus and say, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to do what you told me to do. And he did it. And because he did it, our, our lives are changed here today. I'm going to get into the reason why, but you need to know that that Ananias, because taking the step of faith that he did, because trusting Jesus and and stepping out on on a limb, trusting Jesus because of it had an eternal consequence that far exceeded anything he could ever think. In verse 19 of the book of Acts, chapter 9, it says this, it says, after he ate some food, this is talking about Saul, he regained his strength. Saul in Damascus, uh, it says, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately he began to preach about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. This is huge because before he was persecuting the people that were saying this to death and now within just days he's turned around And he's saying, hey, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is Jesus, the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation amongst Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? And didn't he come here to arrest and take them in chains to the leading priests? It says Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. The script of Saul's life changed 180 degrees, and he went from pursuing Christians to being one of the chief promoters of Christ. And and it's a big deal. Some of you guys know this already, but Saul... Later on in life, his name would be changed to Paul. And Paul would be one of the people that, that were to supercharge and help start Christianity in all the world. He would write letters to the church in Thessalonica. We call, we call those letters the, the book of Thessalonians. He would write letters to the church in Corinth. We call it Corinthians. He would go on to, in these letters, we would put them together in the Bible, and it would, take, it would make up the most of the New Testament. This 180-degree flip of the script in his life 
not only changed him for the better, but changed the world around him. And I think for, for many of us, we get to a point when it, when it comes to the idea of, of change, we're so afraid that we just can't take the step of faith. But what about if the purpose and the plot that we thought was right wasn't? What about if that, that was the wrong way? What about if that was the way that, that what Jesus did not intend for us? What about if the change that we're going through right now, the adjustment that we're feeling, or maybe for you it hasn't happened yet, maybe it's something that's going to happen. Maybe you're going to find yourself at a crossroads here in the next week or the next month or the next year, and you're like, Jesus, what is going on? What about if it's him coming in to flip the script in your own life? To change something in you that will have an eternal consequence. For us not to get in our feels and be so held back by that idea, but to, but to release it. And say, Jesus, no matter what you have, you have your way. I was at the sunrise service this morning, and as I was preaching there, uh, there was people out on surfboards uh, out in the ocean. They were surfing. Um, I don't have that spiritual gift to surf. I definitely don't have the physical body for surfing. Maybe body surfing. I could do some body surfing probably. But as I'm watching these guys, I'm, I'm realizing what they're doing is there's no way of control whatsoever. See, they get on the wave, they get on the board, and they cannot control what the wave is going to do. They can't tell the wave to go right. They can't tell the wave to go left. They can't tell the wave to break now or wait to break. They're just along for the ride, and they react accordingly. Many of us get caught up in the trying to control the wave of life that we're on that we lose sight of the fact that it's bigger than what we are. You don't have control of the world around you. You can be the hardest working person that I know. You can be a go-getter. You can be super high capacity. You can be super intelligent. You could have devoted your life to whatever you're doing. Much like Saul who became Paul unless you're surrendering and saying, Jesus, you tell me which direction to go on the wave and that's what I'll do. You got, you got no way of controlling it. You just got to let it push you. You got to let him push you through this adventure that we're all called to. So in your life, with whatever you're dealing with, with struggle, um, with pain, whatever big change is happening, as we go into this new chapter together, that is uh, fall. As our kids are going into this next school year, as, as some of them are going from elementary school to middle school, as some of them are going from middle school to high school, as some of, them, some of you moms and dads are sitting right here, my kids are even out of that. They're in a completely different chapter of life. I want to tell you that I believe there's times in our own lives in which Jesus comes to us and he's ready for us to shift into a new chapter. 
I think there's times in, in the life of our church where he's ready to allow a shift to happen, to flip the script. I'm going to tell you right now not to be fearful of it, but to embrace it. Prepare yourself for the momentum. To not fight against it, but to say, Jesus, have your way in these areas of my life. And so today there's, there's only really two applications to after reading these scriptures. There's two things I think that we can do. The first one is, is like Ananias when the opportunity comes up to take a step of faith, to be bold, to trust Jesus and take a step and watch and see what happens. The Bible doesn't talk about Ananias after this. I don't know if he was able to see what Saul, then, then as they called him Paul, what Paul went on to do and the effect that he had. But if he did, I can't help but imagine that at the end of he's thinking, I'm sure glad that I trusted God in that situation. I'm sure glad I didn't just sit on my hands and do what I wanted to do during that time. So if you're here today, the Holy Spirit might be calling you, Jesus might be calling you to take a step of faith. I want to challenge you to do it. I don't, I, I don't, I can't imagine. I, I've, there's never been a time in my life in which I've taken a step and I've trusted in Jesus and which he let me down. So if today you're, you're afraid of that, you're worried about what it means to you, your life, your family, I want to challenge you to just take the step of faith. So if you're here today, take a step of faith. The second person here today might be Maybe you're feeling a shift in the direction. Maybe, maybe you're experiencing the, the change in the plot just a little bit. You're feeling an adjustment, and I want to challenge you, much like the surface sit there, and they feel the wave rise up from underneath them. I want to challenge you not to fight it, but to release and say, no matter what the change is, no matter if it's a different direction in my my vocation, no matter if it's a different direction and in, in, in how I'm, what I'm supposed to do with my emotions, my lifestyle, first and foremost, put your faith in Jesus and follow him and ride the wave that he's put underneath of you. I think when it comes to life, when it comes to us, being followers of Christ, when it comes to us being members of the way, I'm challenged every day with this. It's not about what we know. It's not about if we went to church that Sunday. I think going to church is the right thing to do. It's not about if we read our word. I think reading the word is the right thing to do. But I think when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, what matters the most is the actions that you take. And so this week, whether you're going through a plot twist in your own life, whether you feel the charge to take a step of faith, I want to challenge you with this. Take action. Don't just sit there and watch it happen. This adventure that you are on is not a movie that you watch. You're the main character. You, are, you play a part in it. You're the one that has to take the action. And so I want to challenge you today to embrace the plot to flip the script, have faith and pursue what Jesus would have for you because I believe there's an eternal consequence. There's an eternal reward. 
So with whatever that is for you today, whatever the decision that you've got to make, the action that you've got to take, I want to pray for you as you go into it. But first things first, if, if you're here today, maybe someone brought you in, they invited you because we're doing a barbecue, and I think the barbecue is going to, I know the barbecue is going to be delicious. We're going to have a good time hanging out. It's going to be tons of fun. But if you're here today because you think it's on accident, I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in coincidence. I think that that God has given you the opportunity here today to come and make a decision that could be life-changing. So if you're here today by accident and, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe you feel a tugging, maybe you feel calling. I want to challenge you and let you know that today is an opportunity that will change your life forever. I remember 20 years ago, sitting down with a man that I knew cared about me and I knew that he had something that I didn't have and I saw something in him and his family that was great peace and he told me it was because he decided to give his life over to Jesus and 20 years ago I I said Jesus that's what I want I took a step in the direction of following Jesus and every day since then I try to take a step towards it and I think today you have an opportunity to do the same thing so today is just about taking a step. So with every head about every eye closed, no one looking around, if you're here today, you've not taken a step towards Jesus, if you want to take a step and start in relationship with him, when I pray this prayer, all I want you to say is, Jesus, show me the way. You can say it to yourself. You can say it out loud. You can say it at the end of the prayer. But all you're saying is, Jesus, I want to step into a relationship with you. Jesus, show me the way. If you're here today and you already have a relationship with Jesus, I want to challenge you when it comes to your step of faith in action, whatever it is today, whatever it is this week, whatever the, 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 the script is that's being flipped in your life, to be okay with riding the momentum that the Holy Spirit puts underneath of you in the direction that he's calling you to go. And to be okay with that. If you're going through that right now or you come, you feel something happening here in the near future, I want to pray for you in this moment right now. Jesus, you know what we're supposed to be doing. You know what the next steps are. You know the directions that we need to take. God, you know the plot far greater than we do. And although sometimes things happen and there's a surprise, I pray that in this moment that your Holy Spirit would give us peace and confidence in you that as we set our faith and trust in you and you alone, that the best is yet to come no matter what the, the head looks like. So in this moment, we put our trust and our faith in you. And if we're sitting here and we've never taken a step towards you, as we see our life that stretches out before, not knowing what it brings, today we we just take a step towards you and we say, show me the way. Show me the way. I thank you so much, Jesus, for, for what you're doing. I thank you for how you got Saul's attention. I thank you for the charge that you gave Paul to go out and start the church. I thank you for Ananias stepping out on faith, and I pray that you would give me the courage and give us the courage that when it comes to these shifts, when it comes to this, these opportunities, that we would continue to put our trust and faith in you. We thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name we pray.
by sin. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.